Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Finally, I want to have somebody that, uh, just like the previous two speakers, doesn't probably doesn't need an introduction to you because he's responsible in large part to organizing this meeting here in Berlin. And that's uh, Professor uh, Dr. Martin Mokel. And he is a medical director of emergency and acute medicine. In addition to his emergency medicine uh, uh, credentials, he is a cardiologist, which makes uh, for an ideal care of a patient, obviously with chest pain, but all of the cardiologic conditions that come into the emergency department. He's uh, at the departments of Campus Miet and Virchow uh, here in Berlin, professor of cardiovascular process research. He's the vice dean for study and teaching at the Charité University of Medicina uh, Hospital here in Berlin. I want to thank uh, Martin for being here today, and we're looking for your presentation on uh, looking forward to it on life-threatening traumatic bleeds and anticoagul anticoagulation reversal in the ED. Dr. Mokel. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for the nice introduction, ladies and gentlemen, dear colleagues. Okay, these are my disclosures. So um, um, I'm consulting the major uh, companies uh, who produce, which produce dogs. So um, let's start with the specifics of coagulopathy of trauma. Uh, so first, uh, up to 40% of traumatic deaths are results of hemorrhage. So this is the leading preventable cause of trauma-related deaths, and a significant number of patients arrive already in the shock room with coagulation changes. So the event starts before the ED, and you have to keep that in mind. Um, depending on your uh, specific um, uh, healthcare system, you may have physicians acting in the pre-hospital space like we do in Germany and specifically in Berlin. And some of the steps, um, which I described now, can be done also in the pre-hospital setting. So um, many trauma patients with massive hemorrhage who die uh, do that despite surgical control of bleeding. And also resuscitation with crystalloide and factor poor blood products lead to dilution of clotting factors and may make the uh, situation more severe. So the lethal triad um, is uh, acidosis, hyperthermia, and uh, bleeding. So um, if we come back to the scene, the initial uh, approach is to evaluate as any other trauma patients. So the primary survey doing ABCD, as you have heard now uh, several times also by my colleagues, and then you start the secondary survey. And in trauma, the source control is key. So if you see it bleeding, you have to compress. Um, you may use a tourniquet in very severe uh, situations. And then the next step is surgery, exploratory laparotomy if you have uh, intra-abdominal bleeding, transfixation of uh, uh, extremities, and maybe craniotomy for intracerebral bleeding. And one um, possibility is also 
uh, embolization, so uh, the radiological approach. For example, if you have a, a splenic um, hemorrhage or something like that, but in trauma, usually the direct compression, tourniquet, and the surgical approach is what uh, primary happens. So you have to assess the anticoagulation status. We are talking about patients being under anticoagulation. And if you prescribe um, anticoagulation, oral anticoagulation to your patients, you usually have to explain to them that one of the risks is um, that they get a trauma and will bleed in a trauma situation. So these are the two major risks for explaining to the patients. So spontaneous bleeding is mostly GI bleed and traumatic bleed under anticoagulation. So with respect to vitamin K inhibitors, you have to assess PT and INR. With respect to factor 10A inhibitors, um, PT uh, anti-10A uh, uh, anti, uh, levels, and also a TROMP elastography. Uh, in DOAX, uh, it's important, and you have heard that from my colleagues, that you uh, look for the time from last dose because this is maybe important for uh, reversal. You need to look for the renal function because we almost always see that patients, older patients who are longer on uh, this type of medication may accumulate also um, the substances. And although the intake may be uh, 8 or 12 hours before, they may have higher levels of the agent uh, in the system. And also you may use specific assays for uh, measuring concentration of the agent. And with the direct thrombin inhibitors or the direct thrombin inhibitor, um, PTT and the dilute thrombin time is, is, uh, can be done, echorine clotting time and also thrombolastography. So the coagulopathy of trauma um, has been seen differently in the last years. So um, a couple of years ago, so even in the pre-hospital pre care, uh, much volume was, um, was infused. And now we're a little bit uh, on the side of uh, low volume resuscitation. So when we use um, non-blood uh, components and we use crystalloide um, solutions, but we don't want to dilute so much, so we use it just to um, keep up the perfusion pressure to the minimum needed. Um, and the, um, the next steps are packed red blood cells or whole blood, fresh frozen plasma, and then you start in a one-to-one -one, uh, way with packed red blood cells and fresh frozen plasma or in a one-one-one way adding also platelets. And as you heard from Rick, usually you wait for a first platelet count which should be available in your center um, within uh, less than 30 minutes. So with respect to uh, the specific situation in, in trauma, you have to keep in mind that you have in anticoagulant patients a pharmacologic anticoagulation change, which is intended with anticoagulation, but you also have a trauma coagulopathy, and uh, it, it could be difficult to differentiate what happened. And therefore, the strategy is a little bit different 
if you have a, let's say, minor or compartment trauma or a head trauma with intracranial hemorrhage where you have not a massive loss of blood or a massive loss of blood in amputation or um, um, polytrauma. So important factors to consider are the last dose, as I said before, the half-life of the substance. You learned from Barbara already that we have a long half-life of the vitamin K antagonists and a various but shorter half-life of the DOAX. You have also to keep in mind what the severity and location of bleed is. So do you have direct surgical options or not? And also uh, whether there's the availability of specific reversal agents versus the um, off-label use of um, four-factor PCC. So, um, as I said before, the, the main stem of um, resuscitation in, 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 in trauma is uh, whole blood plasma and platelets. And then, depending on what type of anticoagulant the patient takes, you have the vitamin K antagonist where you use vitamin K for fractal PCC and maybe additional fresh frozen plasma. You have the option in factor 10A inhibitors to use undexanate alpha or for factor PCC. And then dabigatran, so the only direct thrombin inhibitor, you can use hydrocizumab and also as an alternative uh, for factor PCT. I would like to, to highlight at this uh, time that the combination of um, four factor PCC and uh, antidotes is usually off label. And um, you should keep in mind that the combination may place a patient also at risk for thrombotic complications, depending on the situation he's in. So it's not a reflex just to put in an antidote and say, okay, and then we see what type of um, other components we may transfuse. You should keep in mind that the combination may be also take some risk. Also, um, you have to, uh, to, to check whether there are concomitant medications like aspirin, for example, and you may need to transfuse platelets. Also, there may be some comorbidities like uremia or liver disease or heart disease, which also may uh, influence the, um, uh, the coagulation situation. In addition, and this adds on the uh, precautions which I mentioned, you should also assess the baseline risk of thromboembolism. So the patients on anticoagulation, they have usually an indication for that, and this indication is not away just because they have a trauma. Uh, so you need to keep in mind that after the primary um, resuscitation, you may also need to anticipate a thrombotic uh, complication, and you have to plan once you have saved the patient, when to restart anticoagulation. So, uh, as a general overview, um, the uh, bleeding episode may be minor, moderate to severe or life-threatening, and we're talking here more about the life-threatening situation. So, in minor bleeding, it's only um, delay or hold one to two doses. You do local measures, for example, if you have nosebleed or you have bleeding um, after a, a small fall or so in an old patient, you just stop the bleeding by local measures and you uh, may stop um, the antithrombotic therapy if it's more than minor. And you have uh, supportive management, including hemodynamic support, transfusion if needed. And in life-threatening bleeding, 
you have to consider the reversal, which is protamine in a heparin-treated uh, patient, andexanet in the factor 10A-treated uh, patient, idrocipsumab in the patients with uh, thrombine, a direct thrombin inhibitor, and as said before, four-factor PCCs at, let's say, the conventional conservative way of treatment. And um, you should always uh, aim at source control, so direct intervention in trauma, mostly surgery. And uh, I come back um, by purpose to this um, uh, flowchart, which has been shown already uh, in the presentation of Barbara. So uh, this is just to remind you that um, the indication for potential reversal is life-threatening bleeding, and you have to be aware what that is. And uh, life-threatening bleeding is always intracranial bleeding, and it is exsanguin so it's exsanguination in a max trauma or uh, in a GI bleed. So these are the indications. And then, um, as a reminder, you have the possibility to use andexanet in the factor 10A inhibitors. And there you, it's important to know the dose, as uh, Barbara said, and also the time of uh, in the last intake. But in doubt, you take the higher dose. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine Office of Continuing Medical Education, EMCREG International, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.